Welcome back to the Shepherd's Voice. It's good to be with you again, Archbishop. Thank you. It's good to be with you too. After our summer hiatus, yeah, we're right back in full swing, and we have the uh, distinct privilege to be joined today by Diane Mead. Diane, thank you for having me. So, can you tell us? You have a particular role with the St. Vincent de Paul Society. What is that? Okay. So um, I am currently what's referred to as the council president for the Society of St. Vincent de Paul in the Omaha Archdiocese. So that's a level above the parish-based conferences. We have 30 conferences in the Omaha area, one in Norfolk and three in Columbus. Wonderful. Most people are pretty well aware of the name. The Society of St. Vincent Paul, right? Archbishop, we've talked about this a few times, that most people are, have some sense that things are going on in certain places for charity and whatnot, but this is an opportunity for us to really dive into uh, what living mercy means in some concrete ways. Right, this is one of our pastoral priorities within our Archdiocese and pastoral vision, living mercy. And when we formulated the vision, we intended that this be something that we could experience in practical ways. So that not just thinking merciful thoughts about other people, but we know the Lord has given us some very clear direction about how we are to encounter and offer accompaniment and assistance to our brothers and sisters who, who are in real need. And the St. Vincent de Paul Society conferences and, and members have been doing that here in this archdiocese for, for many years. So I'm glad for this opportunity to, to highlight this good work and maybe we'll have the opportunity to, to invite others who haven't yet participated to become part of it. It's a beautiful opportunity to highlight these, these works, these ways people are actually taking that gospel mandate very seriously. To back up just a little bit, I was mentioning Society of St. Vincent de Paul. I started to say, everybody knows what it is. And you said, uh, you were shaking your head to Diane. No, not everybody knows exactly what we do. But before that, who is St. Vincent de Paul? Okay. So St. Vincent de Paul was a priest who lived in the late 1500s, early 1600s, and he had a passion for the poor. He's known as the Apostle of Charity, and he was the one who really reached out to people in times of need. He had hundreds of missions that he did. He worked with a nun. St. Uh, Catherine Laboray. No, Louise de Marillac. So. Yes, Louise <laughs> right. de Marillac. So there were two in the early days of yes. the, the Daughters of Charity. Was a, he founded a, a the Daughters of Charity and other found. organizations. He did not found the Society of St. Vincent de Paul. Oh, okay. That came later with Frederick Ozenam in Paris in 1833. But huh? he was the model. So, Archbishop, you're familiar with this, this history as well? Right. So, I'm very familiar with St. Vincent de Paul. The priests who became associated with him were commonly called in this country the Vincentian Fathers, and they were my teachers and formators in the seminary oh, in, okay. in, in St. Louis. So, I became through them very acquainted with uh, St. Vincent de Paul himself. But also, Diane will know this, that the first conference of the Society of St. Vincent de Paul in the United States was also in St. Louis, way before I was born. <laughs> but the, uh, when I grew up, it was very common for... St. Vincent de Paul conferences to exist in, in parishes, and there was one in, in our parish. So it's something that I've known about since I was a kid, and my father was involved in our parish conference. So I was delighted when I came here to Omaha to find out that the St. Vincent de Paul Society is also very active here, even though, as I think we're seeing, not as many people know about it as we would hope. So it's part of the reason for our conversation today. Yeah. Let's dive into that. So tell us a little bit about the society as it as it exists here locally, okay. uh, and maybe a few things we should know that we don't know. 
Uh, well, I'd like to start with our parish-based activities. Uh, we have chapters in, as I said, in the Omaha area, for example, 30 what are called conferences. If someone should call their local church and say, I'm worried, I think I'm going to be evicted, my power is going to be turned off, the church takes the call and passes it on to the Society of St. Vincent de Paul Conference huh. in that parish. And they then uh, respond to that caller uh, very quickly and arrange to make a home visit, which is the core mission of the society, that we send two people out, as Christ did, two by two. And we send two people out to that person's home and sit down and let them tell their story. And from oh. that, we often learn there are more aspects to their story and can help them think those things through. We try to bring the face of Christ to them. We try to see the face of Christ. Uh, we offer to pray with, with them, and we certainly pray for them. We don't make commitments at that visit. We go back and think about and pray about what we've seen and heard. And then usually within 48 hours, we are responding to them, and we are going to typically make a payment to some utility or landlord. We don't give the money directly to the people, mm -hmm. but uh, we make contact with the landlord. We explain that we're trying to help. We invite them to help as well. Maybe they can forgive some late payments or something along those lines, and that they can learn that there's another way to deal with a situation. And so that's the core that the society does and the part that is least understood. And the reason is, as Vincentians, especially in the earlier years, they're very respectful and caring about the people that they're visiting, and they did not want the neighbors to know that a home visit mm. was being made mm -hmm. out of respect for those folks. So it's been a below-the-radar kind of organization for all these years. Now... That's kind of a problem because especially in uh, parishes where people don't necessarily know each other as well, they don't know about the work, right. it becomes a situation where maybe the parish conference doesn't have the funds that they need because they raise funds themselves for the work that they do. So it comes directly from that parish, which I think is one of the beautiful things about it. That money comes from the parish to help those folks in that parish area. Um, so that's our primary mission in terms of service outreach. An aspect of that that's often overlooked, though, is that we're not a service organization. We're an organization who was founded to build the spirituality of its members. And it's worth pausing at because that's a change in my perception. Good. I think for many people is... Oh. Well, there's a thrift store, so it's like, it's Catholic Goodwill, right? That's what you do. She's shaking her head no. Uh, <laughs> that's not sufficient. We do direct service, and, and that's good. Yes. Taking nothing away from doing direct service. But, but that's a really, a really, I think, interesting point that you said your, your aim is the spiritual formation of the members of the Society that's of Saint exactly Paul. right. So is that why you go two by two? Is there something in that? Well, okay, so really we're about spirituality, friendship, and service. Okay. And the building of the spirituality and the friendship comes from working together. Mm -hmm. 
And so we see, and this happened to me as well, a lot of times we start out thinking we're about service. And as we do this, the friendships that we build and the spirituality that we pick up from each other as we are carrying this work out, you know, it's one of those things that's circular and it builds. All aspects of it get built, but it starts with the home visit. Another part of our pastoral vision, right at the center of it, of course, is the encounter with Jesus. And so we know that the works of mercy and and living mercy for disciples of Jesus really flow from our relationship with him and an ever-deepening relationship with him. We also look forward to those who have been called by Jesus to be his disciples, to be equipped to go out and to share the, the light of the gospel. And I think that's a beautiful aspect of the Society of St. Vincent de Paul because there are regular meetings and the opportunity to pray together and to be formed in the Vincentian spirituality, which is rooted in Jesus, of course, so that, that those who go then two by two to, to visit their neighbors who, who are in need feel strengthened by the formation they have received in prayer, but also strengthened by each other's company, by, by their friendship, to walk into situations that are often very unpredictable and where families or individuals are under a great deal of stress. It takes some trust in the Lord and some, some trust in one another to go personally to meet them. At the same time, it's, it's one of the, I think, very beautiful and attractive aspects of, of St. Vincent de Paul Society that it is so personal mm-hmm. and that the contact is made face to face and there is the opportunity as, as Diane said we hope for, for those who are visited to see the face of Jesus and those who come but even if they're not so acquainted with Jesus with the, the Vincentians see, see the Lord in them as he promises that we will when we reach out to those who are in need so I think that this is a beautiful aspect of our Catholic faith And that in today's world, which has a tendency towards secularism rather than toward faith, for most of the folks we see are not Catholics. Mm -hmm. In fact, they're probably not associated with any church. So for them to make the step of calling a Catholic church, getting a call back, which by the way, a lot of agencies don't call back. They have a voicemail and uh, we call back. And we show up, and we don't judge. You know, it's, a, it's welcoming. So uh, what a perfect way, I think, to be introduced to a different aspect of the church than what the media would like them to see. Mm-hmm. That was one of the, the questions that we were talking you know, before we started recording today, just about what sets something like the Society of St. Vincent de Paul apart from any other really well-intentioned uh, agency dedicated to doing good in the community. I mean, there, there are many such that are noble efforts. But it strikes me that that's at the core of it, that seeing the person face-to-face, the company meant trust, that I'm going to go there and meet this person having no idea what's going to happen. Or, I mean, all I know is what they told me on the phone. And the person I bring with me is, is this other member of the faithful, but I, I bring Christ there. That's a very compelling vision, and it's, it is different because it, I would guess as many of the stories as you hear from people who are receiving help, you probably have just as many of people who are the ones going and doing the home visits. Do you have any that come to mind about somebody who, who's having this experience and they come back like the 72 did? They came back and said, hey, this is what happened. I think most of us as Vincentians have the experience, first of all, that when you're sent out to a home and you have a little bit of the story— 
which has been told to someone else and you're assigned to go, already in your head, you're thinking about how you can fix it and what they did wrong. Mm. And so you learn to be humble. You learn to be grateful for your own life because once you hear their story and the layers of difficulty that the working poor and the poor experience, you you no longer judge. You know that God sent you there to give them something. And so it happens all the time. Yeah. It happens all the time. It's beautiful. So I, I asked one of our friends here in the building, I'm going to have this conversation with Diane, with the Archbishop. What's a question you think would be really helpful? And he said, well, ask them where they where they work and where they've set up shop because I think most people in Omaha don't know where the areas of need are geographically. Well, there's really kind of two pieces to that answer. One has to do with where conferences are formed because a conference services the people in their parish area. That's one way that we ensure continuity with working with someone, right? And by the way, we'd love the opportunity for more conferences to be formed. Archbishop, I'm looking at, I'm looking at you there. <laughs> yes, I would be very supportive of that. And my hope is that those who are listening or reading about the St. Vincent de Paul Society will, will think, well, maybe that's yeah. possible in our parish. Yes. And, yes. and you and others would be very ready to help uh, you facilitate them. You beginning. bet we would. And there are, there are churches that have outreaches that are really wonderful as well. But there are areas where we... Some of the poorest areas, of course, are the poorest parishes. Mm-hmm. And so it's difficult to necessarily reach out to everyone that we want to reach out to in what would traditionally be considered the poor areas of the city. So we we started kind of a pseudo-conference that we call the Ozenham Outreach. And we have folks from other parts of the city responding to those calls that we get through our helpline. And so far, we're not able to respond as much as we would like, and we're looking for funding for that. But that's one of the things that we're doing. But more to your question is there is a, an assumption that the poor people are and the working poor are in certain areas of the city and not in others. And that's really a huge misconception. And for anyone to, to check on that, the, they could call their local public school and ask how many children are getting free or assisted lunches. Mm. And the percentages are astonishing in most public schools. So that's just, you know, 50% easy. There's 70 and 80 and 90% in areas that you would not think. Another way to illustrate it is that we have uh, St. Columkill Parish out in the Papillion area. Mm-hmm. They have a wonderfully supportive parish, and they give away, they help with rents and utilities to the tune of $80,000 a year. And most wow. of that's given out as a few hundred dollars at a time. There are times that people have large needs and we respond to that. Another example is Northwest Omaha. Not North Omaha, Northwest Omaha. The um, statistics there of the people who are experiencing food insecurity are amazing. Mm. And so we see that. I happen to call on someone in that vicinity who is disabled. He's uh, he gets disability, which is $700 a month. And he pays 
right around $200 probably for his rent, but he is disabled. And so he watches TV a lot. So he's got a cable bill and we all know how expensive cable is. And he has some uh, food and that about uses up his money. And the point on that is he's disabled. His knees are shot Mm. and he cannot even get to a food pantry. The state will take him to a store twice a week, I mean, twice a month. So, To a grocery store. Like, to the grocery store. They will not take him to a food pantry. So, unless we have a food pantry that will deliver, which he happens to live near St. James, and they will, but unless we have that resource, I mean, he could not possibly get on a bus and go to a food pantry someplace and then carry the groceries home. So... As you visit people and you start out with a mentality of plentifulness that I grew up in, and then you visit people and see what they're actually experiencing, it's, it's not what people think it is. And, and to your question, it's more widespread hmm. than people think. I'm from St. Wenceslas Parish. We do home visits Not to the tune that some of the others do, but we're doing home visits, 10, 12 home visits a month, probably. Wow. And then we have some that are doing hundreds a month. Wow. Amazing. You alluded to the fact also earlier that there are some of these other works that uh, help support uh, people beyond the, the parish conferences. So there are there's the thrift store, and then there's work going on now. Fairly recently, uh, the St. Vincent de Paul Society has taken up work at, at the Holy Family Church right. downtown. Right. I will mention our thrift stores first. Um, thrift stores are a way for us to help people as a way for us to provide income for our mission. And I think it's rather interesting that St. Vincent himself had apartment complexes. Oh, really? And he earned money to provide for others through that work. So we have thrift stores, and that's kind of a tradition with St. Vincent de Paul societies, but they are more or less profitable, and ours were not. Hmm. And so um, we had to make a big decision a couple of years ago whether we were going to stay in the thrift store business or not. So uh, we decided to stay in, and we've had some folks step up with the funding to help us do that. We need more. But uh, that, is a, that is one of the ways we serve people. We also have a, a central food pantry, and then some of our conferences have food pantries. But one of the things that's been going on for the, I've been around St. Vincent de Paul for about 20 years, and our offices were always whatever inexpensive location we could find. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and that's okay, because that's not where we want to spend our money. We needed to move again about a year ago, and we needed to move pretty quickly. And as it turned out, the uh, rectory space at Holy Family Church was unused and available. And, um, well, frankly, it was, I don't know, it's probably been five or ten years since it had been used. Right. And uh, in the building, the original buildings was built in 1883. I'm not really sure when the rectory was added, but it's been a while. Yeah. And so when we went in, and I give our executive director, Marty Smith, all the credit for this, he could see beyond the shag carpet, the uh, crumbling woodwork, 
um, the dust and dirt and got his family and his friends and cleaned it all up. And uh, we moved in very quickly. And it, it's sort of like um, shabby chic, we like to call yeah, it. That's in right now, right? There were some mice. So we brought in a couple of little cats. <laughs> and so we are super happy there. It's a friendly space. It's a welcoming space. We have The church has been very welcoming. They let us use their social hall. Of course, we love to use the sanctuary when we can. We will have a retreat there soon. We will have a St. Vincent de Paul feast day mass there soon. But it's such a perfect fit for us because they have been serving the poor and particularly the homeless for 30 years, giving them sandwiches five days a week. So, we, so it's a location that the who are in that part of town are already looking for. It's a great location. Yeah, so it's a great yes. location to, for service. And folks are already used to the fact that, that someone someone there will welcome them. And, yes. And yes. you've been able to yes. now to kind of expand that. And you yourselves become more aware of the need in that, in that part of the community. Yes. Yes. I think you were telling me earlier that, that uh, you started a garden there in the in the yard outside of the rectory so right. that, that there right. could be fresh food for some of the folks that, that come. So that's one of the things through the journey that we've had the last several years. There's ups and downs and there are surprises. And the community garden was a surprise that was totally not on my radar. In fact, I totally pushed back on it to begin with because I it wasn't what my vision was. But Holy Family Church has this wonderful garden space uh, just to the east of the church. And in fact, it had been a community garden once, and, it, and they had had festivals there. And so one of, uh, well, really, we have multiple people in our St. Vincent, Vincent family who are expert gardeners. And one of them said, gosh, wouldn't it be great to do a community garden here? And we do have a garden that feeds our pantry. So that's, that was kind of my vision. Well, community garden is a different thing. It's putting out plots and letting folks come who would like to have a garden. And so uh, we spoke to the community garden organization here in the city, and uh, we found out that we were past the deadline for them to help, but they came and looked, and then they became inspired. And shortly, we had 15 boxes for people to have gardens. So then you start thinking about where are we? Well, there's 5,000 apartments in the downtown Omaha area, a lot of them right by us. So yeah. we you know, kind of put out the word. We've got these young millennials who have never done a garden before who are now gardening. We have um, some folks from Midtown. We have refugees who, again, were not on our scope. Not that we wouldn't. It just wasn't, wasn't something that we were doing. So here we have these folks showing up in, I don't know what the word is, but big red colorful outfits and turbans or headpieces and then another man comes and he said well we like to garden right in the dirt can we just put our gardens right in the dirt so now we've got this great garden going and we find out that the uh, new americans are looking for ways to be self-sufficient and they would like to sell their produce so could we have a farmer's market well huh. <laughs> And at the same time, we're 
doing some landscaping, not not so much landscaping as cleaning up the yard there. And we realized we've got a wonderful space to do a festival. And we know some young people, kind of hip vibe kind of <laughs> music, which wasn't what I thought at first either. <laughs> So we've got these uh, young musicians coming, one who in particular has a following. The New Americans are going to have a farmer's market. They're going to have food trucks. Uh, They're going to sell their jewelry or crafts. And we see this thing kind of coming together that is building community, which is one of the themes that has kind of come to us kind of evolved as we've been there so that's got it you know we're giving the holy spirit credit for that for yeah, sure but, but i give you all credit too and i thank you for for taking it on because as you said there was this outreach ministry at holy family for many many years providing a, a meal for people from from the street but i think many of us had the sense that much more could be possible there if there were if there were those who might bring it about and, and be open to it. So thanks uh, to you and, and others and your leadership for taking it on and then for just being open to it, to where the Holy Spirit would lead and being open to the ideas of the people in the area who came and can help in ways that you weren't anticipating. Right. But uh, it, it uh, makes me feel you know very happy and, and grateful to know that there's such vitality there on, on that spot. And then who, who knows what else will be possible as, as more people from the area meet one another and, and become aware yeah. of gifts and of needs at the same time. Yes. So that leads me to the obvious question. When are these moments that maybe others in the community could come to? You mentioned a festival and and a feast day. Right. So we kind of took it upon ourselves to declare September as St. Vincent de Paul month. And it makes sense because the feast of of, uh, Frederick Osenham is uh, September 9th. And for St. Vincent, the feast is September 27th. So... First of all, we have invited all of our priests who have conferences to recognize their conference members in their parish because that's one bit of of, uh, publicity that is needed as well. But as a council then, on September 21st, the morning, Saturday the 21st, we're having a retreat in the sanctuary of the church, which, by the way, we haven't talked about the statue of Jesus that's there, the Jesus in rags is, mm. it just stops you in your tracks. And it has a face of Jesus that looks like uh, he's smiling at you like he's greeting you like an old friend. It's it's really something to see. And so we have a retreat there in the morning. And then in the afternoon from 12 until 4 on the grounds of the church is our first ever Churchyard Harvest Festival. We're using the name Holy Family in it, but we really like the sound of Churchyard Harvest Festival. You know, it's just welcoming, it's casual, mm-hmm. it has a warm feeling to it. And then a week later, on Friday, the 27th, at 7 o'clock, then we are having the St. Vin- Vincent de Paul Feast Day Mass. And of course, everyone is welcome to all of these. We'd welcome anyone who wants to come. And that would also be at uh, at Holy Family? That is also at Holy Family in the sanctuary. For more information, you could look at our website, St. Vincent de Paul website, and for us uh, in Omaha, it's svdpomaha.com. Right, and I'll be sure to put that in the podcast links so that we can share that out. Good. Good. Wonderful. You mentioned a, a few different ways that the work is already underway and is growing and developing and uh, this is a question for 
for both of you, but what would you like to, to see or what are the ways to invite people to get involved in, and experience this way of living mercy? As you mentioned, you're asking the pastors who have conferences in their parish to highlight that this month. So I would encourage anybody who, who is hearing now about the Society of St. Vincent de Paul to um, just ask some questions of somebody that you might know in your parish who's, who's involved. There might be a way for you to get more uh, active in the conference yourself, or maybe you can be of some support uh, materially. As I said, this is one of our pastoral priorities. It's all, we also know that, that it's the Lord's desire that we notice our brothers and sisters in, in need. As you mentioned, Diane, that need is, is all over the place in, in our communities. It's often hidden, but because of the structure, the local structure, parish structure of the St. Vincent de Paul societies, those needs can be found out about and can be met. There may be uh, parishioners who, uh, in parishes where a conference doesn't exist, but maybe feel that the Lord is calling them to something more right now in in terms of reaching out to to our brothers and sisters, and maybe they're feeling that they're being called to a deeper spirituality, you know, that that could bear fruit in in these ways. So they can certainly, I think, through the website, get in touch with with you or or with Deacon Marty Smith or someone who could provide the information and the guidance to to help them get started. So our hope is to found more conferences and to build existing conferences to include anyone who might be interested. And we have a largely aging volunteer corps, and that's not that's not necessarily a bad thing because a lot of times people retire and they know they still have something to give and maybe they can give it in a in a way that would be pleasing to God, not just showing up for work every day. But we do hope that we can provide opportunities for younger people and for families to be engaged and to set that foundation. And as far as our works, we have a pretty old store in the downtown area that we think needs to stay there to serve those people and for that pantry. But we are looking for people to help us revitalize that store. And beyond that, we would like to follow a model that the St. Columkeel people have have kind of discovered and built on, which is greater collaboration with other agencies. And we walk out of someone's home knowing that paying a bill is helpful, but they need something more. So we're hoping to have one or more, I'll say, advocates who can help us build relationships with other agencies. As an example, right now, many of the established agencies who do service in the Omaha area get federal funding. And federal funding is skewed towards housing the homeless today, which, you know, who could argue with that? That's very important. But we find that we are one of the few who are working with folks who are trying to avoid homelessness. (laughs) And so uh, we find that some of those agencies are excited to partner with us because we can respond to a need that they cannot respond to. But at the same time, we need to know more, you know, someone has a medical need, someone has a psychological need or something. We're, we're trying to find agencies that we can do a warm handoff to, not just give them a piece of paper with a phone number. Yeah. So those are, those are the kinds of things that we're looking at right now. Wonderful. I want to thank you, Diane, for the, for the work you're doing and convey the thanks of the Catholic community to the people you work with every day and for sharing with us this beautiful set of, of witnesses, really. I mean, testimonies to what the Lord is doing, how he's reaching people with his, his love in a tangible way. This is what 
living mercy, mercy is alive, and according to the Archbishop's vision, this is what it looks like. So I'm thankful for that, and we'll do what we can, like I said, to we'll include some of these links and make the invitation to all of you who are listening to pay attention to these works, and, and if something's drawing on your heart right now, respond to that. Just reach out. Talk to somebody who's in your parish who's doing this kind of work, or, again, check out that website and see if you can't show up at least for the uh, festival or for the feast day. Diane, thanks for your leadership. It's really beautiful to see all that's happening these days. The Society of St. Francis de Paul has been here for a while, but I think there's a, there's a new vitality that I see and that many are experiencing. So uh, that's not by accident. Thanks to you and those who work with you uh, for your leadership. And thanks for taking the time to visit today about this important good work. Of course, I'm thrilled to have had the opportunity to talk about the Society. You could tell I could, I could keep going <laughs> <laughs> because it is just such a wonderful ministry. David, I want to thank you for the opportunity to be here and Archbishop and your leadership. We at the Society feel your support and that's meaningful to us. We are Catholic. We are proudly Catholic. And that's the way we intend to be and to be represented. I also want to say we've got awesome Vincentians and us supporters and I'm, we're very grateful for them as well. So thanks for letting me be here. Absolutely. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Please keep this good work in your prayers as we, uh, we pray for you. God bless. Thank you for listening to The Shepherd's Voice, a podcast of the Archdiocese of Omaha. For more information, visit archomaha.org slash podcast.